The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! I see you've got something there with you. Uh, it's looking very nice. It's kind of little. It's a little. It's kind of little. Uh, yeah, yeah, Paul. I have this. I have this little thing right here. It's just little. What? What is? I mean, it looks a little like a like a miniature, like a Honey I Shrunk the Kids style cello. Yeah, it's a tiny little. It's a tiny. Little looks like thing. as if yeah, like if like as if Rick Moranis pointed a. Some sort of device, uh, shrinking device, at it and shrunk a cello down. Are you yes. James Rick Moranis? I am related to to the Moranis, uh, and in fact, along with his thinking couch that he is so fond of, he also shrunk this tiny little fiddle for me. Oh, a little fiddle! It's a little fiddle. He hey, shrunk a big old Rick cello, Mar- and he turned it into a little fiddle. That's great. It's not that great. I shrunk the kids, and the Thompson kids too. They're about this big. Threw them out with the trash. Hey, what do you think Rick Moranis is up to these days? He's probably just taking care of his kids. Cause he's a he's a nice Canadian man. <laughs> Threw them out with the trash. <laughs> <laughs> little fiddle, James. That's such a great transition. We're talking today about the little fiddle herself, Miss Lily May Rishi, and of course her her various social media handle is little fiddle and she is a jackalite we're doing a special spotlight on on Lily Mae Rishi and mm. boy we should just tell these people what we're doing here my name is Paul Kaminsky and my name is James Kaminsky i'm your other co-host we we normally say co-host at the end of our name it's weird that yeah. you didn't, uh, yeah. and this is and this is our jack white history podcast where we go over jack white uh, music and films and associates and in this case what we like to call a jacko light which is sort of a common face or a recurring character in the jack white mythos yes a moon around the planet of jack Yes, and uh, Ms. Lily Mae Rishi has been a part of the uh, Jack White orbit for quite some time now. I mean, I'd I'd say, oh, since about 20, 2012 or so. So that's, that's going back a, a little ways there, about five years. And she's been to varying degrees of prominence, but boy, is she coming to the forefront now, James. Yeah, she's broken free of these liner note shackles and has since <laughs> gone into, she got a title, she got an album. Paul. 
That she did. That she did. We first got to know her as the fiddle player in Jack White's Blunderbuss all-female touring band and later on the only member of that band to move on to the Lazaretto tour. She is now, she's got this brand new solo album out and there's lots of excitement there. So we're doing a spotlight episode on Ms. Lily May. Yeah, that's right. I'm excited. I'm excited to learn. I like Lily May. I love her vocal harmonies with Jack on Lazaretto. I think they're fantastic. I believe we both are very fond of Temporary Ground and Alone in My Home, which oh, yes. she also duets on. And so um, yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited to learn a little bit about her. Yeah, and then we've got a very special, I mean, people who have follow us on social media will know exactly what I'm talking about. But at the end of the episode, we have a very special third man where we detail some excitement as it pertains to Lily Mae Rishi at the end of the episode. So uh, stay, stay tuned, folks. Yeah. But before we get to all that, James. Is there something that we got to stop doing, Paul? No. Oh, all right but I do have something for you to smell. Oh, great! is <laughs> <laughs> oh. the most astounding fact. The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. Man, that's probably uh, really confusing for anybody not familiar with this show. They're just like, why are they starting to chant? What's going on? But, I know. I think I smell a fact. James, do you want to tell the people what that is? I sure do, Paul. I think I smell a fact is the segment of the show where uh, we go over a little fact that we done smelled over the course of the <laughs> the few weeks, you know, pertaining to a subject that we may have already covered. And we uncover some more information and we want to relay that information to you and sometimes it's not enough to put in a full podcast so we dedicate this little segment here where we can smell these facts and give this odor to you to smell as well somehow we made learning just sound real perverted but there you go and so this week's i think i'm a real fact fact fetishist paul (laughs) i feel like neil degrasse tyson would identify as a fact fetishist uh Um, he very actually no scratch that bill nye the science guy yeah This, I think I smell a fact, comes courtesy of Callie Durga. Thank you, Callie. And it is pertaining to our Icky Thump Part 1 episode. That would be episode 28. It was one of many she sort of sent to us, but this one I thought was pretty cool. And it is as it pertains to Jack White and his apparent affection for Harpo Marx. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. As we went over in, in episode 28, Harpo Marx's portrait hung in the studio at Blackbird Studios in which they recorded Icky Thump along with Charlie Patton. And apparently, Harpo Marx plays a pretty big role in Jack's sensibility. I, what's a, what's the word I'm looking for? His He's an inspirational figure. There you go. We'll go with that. For Jack. Callie points out that she believes it was in Maxim Magazine. Once quoted Jack as saying one of the best books ever written is Harpo's autobiography, Harpo Speaks. And Callie pointed out that she had actually read that and really loved the book as well, saying that uh, Harpo wound up being this really interesting figure and one that would have made a whole lot of sense for Jack White to admire. He would have probably read it around that 2006-2007 era. It makes sense not having read the biography yet, Callie. I promise I'm picking it up at the library this weekend. It makes sense that Jack would idolize Harpo because Harpo is not only a talented actor who also is an extremely talented musician. He plays 
plays beautiful harp music, which is surprising with the type of characters he usually plays, which is usually a womanizing character, and then he sits down at a harp, and it's this gorgeous, angelic music. But he also does a lot of acting without saying a word, and he, he basically puts his, himself in a little room of acting. He gives himself some struggle, mm. and he comes out with a brilliant performance. So I can understand, Jack seeing something in him. I agree, and I can understand that that was a lovely fact we just smelled, James. When I reflect on that fact. I changed pitch there. I think I smell a fact. (laughs) All right, James, you ready to dive in here? Let's do this thing. Well, wait. Real quick, I just want to say, Kelly also, in sending, not only sent us that fact to smell, she also sent us a, a wonderfully touching note telling us how much she appreciates the podcast and, and what we're doing here. And not only has Kelly sent that in, a, a couple other people have sent that in as well, and, and we, we really do appreciate it. So thank you for all your love and support. That goes for me, too, and I was going to bring this up in the shout-outs at the end of the show, but thank you so much to Ren Prosper. That was a, that was a sweet note you sent us as well, and we have a shout-out for you at the end of the show as well. Yeah. Double shout-out. Um, so, James, you ready to get to this uh, Rishi Fest? Let's get to this Rishi Fest. Let's get to Rishikesh. <laughs> Before we start here, I think she per- first popped up on our radar like for real during the Lazaretto era. And we had seen that tour a few times. Mm-hmm. I think that was at the height. I would dare say that was at the height of like you, me, and Mike's like j- Jack whirlwind t- tornado of seeing those shows and yeah. and sort of really embracing the fandom as a trio and I have a lot of great memories associated with that time period. Indeed. But specifically us noticing, hey look at that awesome person playing the fiddle there. And each of those different characters in that touring, that Lazaretto touring band took on this persona you know, each had their own little role to fill in that band and Lily Mae definitely fit a role which was sort of Jack's female representation the harmony representation the ambient kind of flowy sort of spirit yeah of that group and hopefully uh, from parts unknown who's uh, probably slept in a walmart near you is lily may rishi on there. She gave a little softness to the rest of the crowd. I'd say she, I would lump her in the crowd with Dominic Davis and yeah. yes, with yes. Um, Fats Kaplan. Uh, Dominic Davis and Fats Kaplan, both along with Lily, added some soft edges to, I would say, Ike and Daru's and Jack's hard playing and hard solos and, and all this other stuff. So I think there was a, it was a nice balance, and Lily definitely stood out uh, among them. Yeah, that's a great observation. Um, in fact, you see in a lot of those interviews, her and Fats tend to be the ones interviewed together. I could almost detect a closeness between those two, mm-hmm. which was interesting. But we'll kind of get to that point. I just wanted to sort of, for those of you who don't know, that's sort of where... I think for us and for probably a lot of other Jack fans, she sort of entered the picture. But Lily Mae has been around for a very long time in the music world, James. She started playing music at three years old. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. This is via the the LA Times. She grew up playing chiefly with her siblings and parents as their family moved from trailer park to trailer park around the South. She said, quote, I come from a bluegrass country background. And this was said where she was living at the time in Decatur, Alabama, which <laughs> the article points out is 115 miles south of Nashville. I don't know why they felt that was important to call out, but so... <laughs> She's even more Southern than everybody else. <laughs> but playing with her family, obviously in that very early age, James, she's about your age, uh, Lily Mae. So we're talking the very early 90s here. And so eventually her sibling, her and her five, she's one of five siblings. And eventually they formed a group called Gypsy. Mm. And this was sort of news to me because I had no idea. I knew about Scarlett. I knew about her sister, because Scarlett also played a little bit with Jack, but I didn't realize that there was this whole other group that she was a part of, this group with her, her other siblings. And James, that would be Gypsy with a J-Y-P-S-I, spelled not quite in the traditional sense there. Right. So Lily Mae uh, joined uh, siblings, so her siblings, Amber Dawn, Frank, and Scarlett. Frank really got the tail end of the stick on the names, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you got some really beautiful... Lady names, and then just Frank. No offense to my friend Frank. Great name. It's just... No, Frank is a disgusting name, and he should feel terrible. (laughs) Sorry, Frank. (laughs) I'm not sorry. Paul's not sorry. It seems like they, quote, formed in 1994 in Galena, Illinois, and played locally for years. Lily Mae must have been this tiny little thing. Right, she was shrunk by... Rick Moranis, uh, <laughs> along with her fiddle. Where's the kids? I haven't seen them since I left this morning. Yeah. But apparently they were playing a lot of cover songs. They weren't really writing their own material. But this is a group that is focused on harmony. And because they're siblings, they seem to have a, a built-in connection there. A little bit akin to Jack White trying to artificially create a sibling quality with him and his wife, Meg, in the White Stripes. These were actual siblings that had this connection, but not dissimilar from what Jack was trying to do with Meg, I would say. So the the group was discovered by a producer named Cowboy Jack Clement. Yes, it was. In 2000. Yeah, uh, in 2000. And this guy was based out of Nashville, and that's what brings them into the Nashvillean orbit. 2000, James, how old were you in 2000? You must have been what? I was 10 going on 11. 11. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So that's about Lily May's age. Really early, you know. They've got kind of a Jackson 5E sort of sibling kind of quality with the with the very youngest standing out because lily was the lead vocalist and i don't know if you'd call breakout star but definitely the one that attracted the most attention in the group Mm. um so so some shades of the jackson five kind of set up there a little the osmonds a little bit but they played uh country music but sugary pop integrated into it Mm -hmm. so uh, when you hear it it sounds consistent with I don't know, I would say what Taylor Swift would eventually be doing sort of a decade later, but with more of an authentic feel to it because they're playing a lot of covers of like Bill Monroe covers, things like that. And so there was definitely an an authenticity about what they were doing. Your Ricky Skaggs, your Loretta Lynn's. I can't speak to those covers specifically, but yes, those kinds of groups. Your Chumbawamba. So, yeah, 
Uh, so Cowboy Jack Clement, mm-hmm. uh, this is via the LA Times. When Lily Mae and her family first settled in Tennessee, they were quickly taken under the wing of Jack Clement, a.k.a. Cowboy Jack Clement, the former associate of Sun Records founder Sam Phillips, and one of Roots Music's most revered producers, engineers, and all-around idiosyncratic musical geniuses and raconteurs. Oh, God. He's one of them rowdy boys. Yeah. He mentored Lily Mae and her siblings, helping nurture their maverick sensibilities. And it's funny because they bring up this term maverick here. This article I'm referencing is uh, from a little ways back during the gypsy days. And they say maverick. Later on, Jack would describe Lily Mae on the third man Facebook channels and all that stuff as a maverick country artist. That's kind of what her... There's a moniker of Maverick that keeps being associated mm. to her. And I'm not really sure what makes her particularly Maverick-ish other than, like, her stylistic choices. Well, she's by herself. She's She takes charge, and she, even when she's a part of the band, I feel like she's her own separate entity. Yeah, I could see that. The group were signed to the Arista Nashville label in 2007 and began work on a full record when Lily Mae was only 16 years old. Gosh, darn it. That's early. Yes, yes it is. Now, James, I I listened to some of these here. We'll just talk a little bit about the releases. So I listened to some of these here, James. I downloaded the only Gypsy album I could find. Mm -hmm. And I gotta say, it's it's good. It's good stuff. They are very harmony-based. This is a group that is... The centerpiece of everything they're doing is their four-part harmony. Mm. And because they're siblings, they're all in a sort of similar vocal range. And every single song leans into this harmony almost without fail. Which is funny because Lily's stuff with Jack, I mean, how did we first hear her voice? It was through harmony. Yeah, it's true. On Temporary Ground and Alone in My Home. And even when I hear her voice solo, and this is something I actually said to her, was that I I feel like her voice is always waiting for that harmony to join in. There's just something about how she sings that it it feels like because she was in this group with her siblings since she was such a little kid, it's just in her DNA to join in with others and to accentuate a harmony rather than just be the sole voice. Hmm. It's not like Margot. Margot like belts out when she's singing. Yeah. Lily's always, her voice is shifting around. It's moving around. You know, it's doing a lot of different things. Hmm. So their first release is uh, was a song called Love is a Drug, and it did not chart, and it was not ultimately included on their full-length album. on their full-length album was a song called I Don't Love You Like That, and that was released as a single, and it reached actually number 38 in the U.S. country single charts. Hmm, not too bad. Not too bad at all, as a matter of fact, for a debut release. And, you know, this is let's, this is 2007-2008 era, so in the Jackiverse, yeah. what's going on? We just went over Icky it, thump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, They're in Nashville. Jack's immersed in the Nashville scene. Consolers of the Lonely is being done. Jack's starting to take a little bit of a country turn. 
because Consolas of the Lonely, boy, is that ever a Western-sounding album, you know, if I ever heard one. He's playing with the likes of Bill Monroe. There you go. It, there's some connection there. It makes me wonder if he had ever seen them at a bar or something in Nashville. You know, we when we were talking to Kate McCoy about this, which which we'll actually hear next episode. She talks about these clubs called the Five Spot and some of these other places. I wonder, I wonder if Jack ever crossed paths with Gypsy. Hmm. It's possible. He wasn't on the lookout, I don't think, for talent at that point, though. No, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think you're right about that. That was that ca- sort of came a little bit later. But still, if they're charting, it's possible he was aware. They're charting and they're Nashville-based, so it's it's definitely possible. You gotta know I don't blame you, so don't you go blaming yourself. As easy as these things get started, there's really no way to tell. So their self-titled debut album, which is, by the way, available on uh, Spotify and Pandora and YouTube and also on uh, Amazon, you can buy it there, which I did, was released in May of 2008. And uh, it was actually released as a downloadable album only. No physical release at that time, although a CD release is now available. Hmm. That's... Go figure. Bold strategy. Uh, I know. It was reviewed well by Country Standard Time, and I just pulled a couple quotes here. There's sometimes a tendency with sibling acts for the, quote, they're so cute factor to overshadow the question of just how good they are musically. Gypsy features four members of the Rishi, or rhymes with Dishy, family clan, ranging from 16 to 26. Sisters Lily Mae, Scarlet, and Amber Dawn, joined by brother Frank, who are without a doubt a very attractive presence. Though it takes a little while to get it going, their self-titled debut demonstrates that there's indeed some substance to the image as well. Their publicity touts influences from bluegrass to classic country to Django-style jazz, but the overall sound is a sort of, quote, wall-of-sound country rock approach. It's along about the fourth cut, you don't know what real love is, that the fiddles and steel guitar hints start to creep in, and the rest of the disc turns out to be nicely varied and arranged. Lead singer Lily May, the youngest, has a decent set of pipes, and they do play their own instruments and in fine fashion at that. Halfway Home Cafe and Shame on Me stand out as well. folks are a good bit more than a family novelty act. I agree. In listening to this, I sort of share a similar feeling about it. It's definitely not of the quality of what her solo material would be, but there's something to it. And even though it's very, very sugary sweet, Mm -hmm. it is nice to listen. I found myself enjoying a lot of the songs and going back in and listening to it a few times. So there's definitely something here. There's the DNA of something, you know? Hi, I see you want (laughs) to make a Lily (laughs) Mae. Oh, Mr. DNA. 
What are you doing here? Well, I'm in your butt. Spared <laughs> no expense. From there, we get to a single released after this album called Mr. Officer, and this was released in 2009. So in the Jack of Earth, we're talking dead weather time period. The song peaked at number 52 at the Billboard Country Charts, so it's sort of falling a little bit, but it's still charting. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's actually a music video for this. Mm directed by a director named Roman White, uh, no relation. And it's actually, it's a crazy video. It's very Big and Richie style country-ish a little bit, but the style of their group is so hippie-ish. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit with the sort of Stetson hat and that kind of country, the stereotype country, right. just by virtue of how they look. Not the the rhinestone cowboy. Right. Although the content of the song is basically about like, hey, I'm sorry I was speeding. And like, it's very much a like, oh, I would expect a country song to sort of sound to have that lyrical content. Okay. The guy who directed the music video, you can see it. It's on YouTube. He sounds like a census like or a tax identity. Like, (laughs) 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 yeah, check the box for Roman and white. Yeah. Non-Hispanic. In parentheses, that's that's the tail part of his name. Roman. <laughs> Ethnicity, Roman. <laughs> like, I would love on the other part to check that box that just said all caps, right, Roman. All of your taxes are filled out in Roman numerals. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, so anyway, this guy, Roman directed most of Carrie Underwood's music videos and he also directed music videos for Kelly Clarkson Florida Georgia Line which Kate brought up and who I which I thought was a type of line dancing which is apparently not the case it is a country group or possibly person I'm not looking that up <laughs> Kelsey Ballerini uh, Cassidy Pope Josh Groban Thomas Rhett Daniel Bradbury, Kelly Pickler, Hunter Hayes, Maddie and Tay, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, and more. There's definitely a trend. Anyway, while still in Gypsy, Lily Mae made a guest appearance on the track God Knows Who I Am on Montgomery Gentry's 2008 album, Back When I Knew It All. Actually, the Gypsy band, this band, was featured on an episode of Gene Simmons' Family Jewels on August 9th, 2009. Now, I couldn't find a photo or anything to back that up. That's from Wikipedia. If anyone can find that, please send it to me. I have to see Gene Simmons and Lily Mae Rishi. Just some quick impressions from me about Gypsy. I like Gypsy. Uh, The album itself is very good, and I enjoyed listening to it, and there were some really solid performances. I found the family jam at the end to be really, really compelling. If you listen to the album, you should definitely check that out. And the cover songs were, they were like so stereotypical country. It was sort of distracting to the music, but the music was very good. Mm -hmm. These are very young people making happy country pop music. 
Lily Mae's voice is great, but now I understand why she sings the way she does. I touched on this a little bit. She's used to that four-part harmony. She's a great support singer. Harmony seems to be her sweet spot. This is via the LA Times. Uh, The family band has dazzled audiences in the country music capital with its regular performances at Layla's Bluegrass Inn. All the buzz scored Gypsy a California Greg at the Stagecoach Country Music Festival in Indio in 2008, even without a major label contract. But the Nashville establishment didn't know what to do with a group fronted by three freewheeling sisters who looked like they had stepped off the set of a late 60s psychedelic movie and who played with the extraordinary musical dexterity while effortlessly spinning out tight three- or four-part harmony. Harmonies on par with the tightest bluegrass vocal groups. They scored bookings at major festivals including Stagecoach and Bonnaroo in Tennessee and for a time had major labels jockeying to sign them. Lily Mae was 16 at the time and she quickly rose from her role supporting her older sisters and brother to the band's lead vocalist. Now, Gypsy's breakup, I couldn't find anything about it online, but I was able to actually ask Lily Mae about the breakup and while she didn't go into too many specifics, she let me know it was because her brother Frank had left the group. Mm. So it looks like when Frank left to pursue whatever it was that he was going off to pursue, the sisters decided to hang it up and put that phase of their lives behind them. But it would not be the last time that they worked together, which we will sort of hear about here. And James, it appears as though you have found the episode in which Gene Simmons... Sorry, that is, first of all, I think we're glossing over the fact that you got this information from Lily herself, which is, we're breaking (laughs) this news story here of why Gypsy broke up. We're the only information on the web at large that we know of that has this information. That I could find, which we'll get to later in the show. Now, on to Gene Simmons. It is August 9th, 2009. Gene the Slacker, when Gene finds himself with a week of nothing to do... The family gets a sense of what it would be like if he didn't work so much and hatches a plan to show him their appreciation. I guess Gypsy gets involved in some kind of party. Maybe they hire him. (laughs) Who knows? The possibilities are endless. It's possible they everybody puts on kiss makeup and they go out into the streets, throw a wild party, and Gypsy comes knocking on the door saying, Hey, you guys are interrupting our band's good time. They're like, hey, we need a band for our show. And then uh, they get together and there's like a, a party with the band. The, look. And then there's a knock on the door. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brian Fett. <laughs> Little did they know, fate was going to knock on their door. There's a little Carl Butterball in that one. <laughs> Turkeys are going to knock on their door. <laughs> um, uh, so, but you know what, James? The good news is, it's sad for Gypsy. The good news is, breaking up with Gypsy freed Lily May up for meeting Jack, 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 Jack. So Lily Mae was enlisted to play fiddle, mandolin, backing vocals uh, on the Blunderbuss tour by Jack White in 2012. We talked a little bit about this in the Blunderbuss tour episode, but Lily Mae recounts that via Crave Online, which I'll be pulling a lot from here. Uh, She says, I was called for a session. 
Jack was doing a soundtrack for The Lone Ranger, which he ended up backing out of, but that was when they first called me and my friend Josh Smith, who is Jack's engineer and also a tech on the road. He recommended me and they just kept calling me. I played on one song on Blunderbuss, the first recording I did with Jack. times where else would i have met any of these people some of whom have a hip-hop background some are from rock and roll all different kinds of people i never would have speaking of working with third man she said white invited her to play on a recording session he was doing for a film soundtrack and then quote they just kept calling back and calling back i sang on one song on his last album it's been a really busy couple of years with him Times are hard right now, in every business, she said. I definitely was lucky to land a gig like this during the last couple of hard years. Hmm. I'm interested in the fact that she's friends with Joshua Smith, because he's been involved with Jack for a long, long time. Uh, I wonder when they they met each other and became friends. Well, if they're Nashville-based musicians and Gypsy was around... Uh, Lily Mae worked with Jack on the Blunderbuss album, and as did her sister Scarlett from Mm -hmm. Gypsy, who plays mandolin on Blues on Two Trees. Kelly Durga has has showed us the light into why Blues on Two Trees is a a song that's more than just what it, what's on the surface level. So I respect it more now. I thought I did that. You you did, but Callie... All I do is cook and I clean oh, and I podcast and Mr. this is the thanks I get. Mr. Lafarge is here. From you. <laughs> the kid is on a damn train to who damn knows where. I just scared the bejesus out of my cat. Um, so this is via Crave Online. Again, I'm going to be pulling a lot from this interview. It was a very good uh, resource during my research on Lily's Jack involvement. They asked, when Jack was putting the band and the album together, were there any times that you felt, I don't th- know if this is going to work out or not? Lily says, absolutely. I almost didn't take the gig in the first place. I'm glad I did, but I had my family band that had just broke up and... Had it not broken up, I wouldn't have taken the gig. Because I was fully dedicated to my own project, you know? But I'm very glad I took the gig. I met some amazing people and friends for a lifetime and got to play some really cool music, and it's been a really good experience for me as far as branching out of my small world musically. It's been awesome. I've been turned on to all different kinds of stuff. If you know me... I don't know what a Dead Weather song is versus a White Stripes song. I have no idea. I learned them all at the same time. I have no idea. (laughs) I'll ask, which one is this from? What record is that? Like, I know now that Steady As She Goes was by the Tours, but I didn't know Jack's music before I started playing with him. I didn't know it at all. Wow. She's doing her own thing, and I could sort of see that, just her not being aware of 
rock stuff, she's definitely authentically country. Okay. Even down to her twang. And it's not 100%, but when you listen to like her new album, there's a song, one of my favorite songs on it, it's called Honky Tonks and Taverns. And before that song, there's a little chatter, studio mm-hmm. chatter. And she's sort of, you can hear the twang in there and her laugh. Her laugh is very infectious, by the way. What did a snake do to her? <laughs> uh, so uh, Crave asked, was there a specific direction in trying to make one band different from the other in relation to the two different touring bands? As we mentioned, Lily Mae was part of the all-female touring band from the Blunderbuss era, and there was an all-male band as well. Lily says, not necessarily. Each group had their slightly different arrangements, but we all generally played the same songs, minus a couple different ones for each one. But how am I to know exactly what Jack is going for in his head? I don't know. But it was pretty loose as well. It wasn't completely different. There were a couple of shows when he got me up to play with the boys, and it was generally the same idea. I mean, they were definitely a lot heavier for sure, musically. So they're playing in these two bands, and then James, you know, as as we know, those bands would then later combine and form the Lazaretto band, and she would join Jack on the Lazaretto tour in 2014. Mm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about her sound. Uh, this is via the LA Times. Lily Mae's voice comes out of the Dolly Parton school of high, quivering emotionalism, bringing a tinge of sadness even to her more optimistic lyrics. One of the most distinctive facets of her singing is her ability to swoop up to some notes, gracefully fall off others, and register hop with the ease of a great yodeler. Now, that's temporary ground. Temporary ground. That was what stuck out to me. In fact, I think it kind of makes the song. Let's play a little bit of her singing Temporary Ground here. The old explorers had it easy They discovered nothing new But returned on home with answers Of sad existence clues All the creatures have it hard now Nothing but God is left to know And why he left us all here hanging With an illusion of note drops that added such a dimension to that vocal that just would not have been there that just isn't in jack's wheelhouse it stuck out so much that we discussed it when we first got the album me and you both noticed the same thing about that song i think it was one of us i don't remember who but you're like and that and temporary ground and one of us was like yeah and that note in lily's voice like yeah that's so good so it it definitely it stuck out a lot when we we heard it it's a standout track on that album and i think it's very much due to her singing and he doesn't just give away vocals Mm. like that she basically sings the chorus of that song and he gives it up he plays a supporting role in there so he had obviously had confidence in her singing but i also wanted to point out another thing about that la times quote it mentions that she has the ease of a great yodeler and when you hear her sing she's got a yodely quality there's a lot of yodeling going on there and in fact when i saw her play she sang blue yodel uh, one of the blue yodels i don't remember which one it is but from uh, from bill monroe so she actually did yodel at this bar and it sounded so natural and she made yodeling sound rock and roll in a way i didn't realize was mm. possible 
again via the LA Times, as a songwriter, she leans towards tunes of heartbreak, which she concedes sometimes limits her opportunities to flash her expertise on the fiddle. Quote, I just don't write those kinds of up-tempo bluegrass songs, she said. Quote, I wish I did. We talked about this. Margot's songs have this up-tempo, beaming, hopeful quality to them. Major keys. Lily's songs are all in minor key. Even when she has an uplifting kind of crescendo in her songs, she crashes it down to a minor key, and it's it's basically that vocal drop, but just in her songwriting. It's kind of weird how she does it. It's interesting, but it also gives it a, a definite a hint of sadness. Yeah, I was gonna say there's like a a wistful wistful whispering sadness or something to her voice. Very very flowy, yeah. going up and down, and usually ending on a down note. And everything's kind of got that uh, crying in a graveyard. I'm trying to think like it's like mind pictures that that come to me when I when I hear her voice. No, I I, I hear what you're saying. Um, a, a major songwriting influence for her is Lucinda Williams. So we'll play an example of Lucinda here. Now, James, you can hear where that influence Most is coming from. definitely. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about the Lazaretto album and tour. Obviously, Jack doesn't play with a set list, anything like that. And so the band is expected to follow him around through his the set and kind of feel where he's going. Crave asks, what happens when you do eventually f*** up? <laughs> Lily says, well, I f*** up all the time, but it's not like I'm the drummer. If I was playing drums, I wouldn't be able to get away with it or bass. That's a solid locked down instrument, you know? If I f*** up, nobody can tell. I mean, not that you can't tell, but it's a lot more hidden than the drums. I could just laugh it off. Oops. But he wouldn't care anyway. He doesn't give a <laughs> Crave asks, those final acoustic gigs that you did, just how different were they? Lily says, it was totally different. It was really awesome. Really cool to do a stripped-down acoustic thing. For me, I grew up doing that stuff. I grew up in a bluegrass family band, so, you know, not that I've done that lately. But it's always fun to go back and do it. It's always really cool to see Jack in that different setting. It was really nice, very personal. He does very good in settings like that, I guess. Musically, it was really fun. There's nothing to hide behind. It's right up there, up front. Mess-ups and everything. (laughs) You drink water, out of gasoline. One of us is happy. Crave asks about Lily Mae taking up a bigger role in the Lazaretto 
to her. Lily says, well, I got to sing. I didn't sing on Blunderbuss. Ruby Amanfu sang. She was the singer. I don't think Jack even knew I sang when we started playing. But the second time around, he asked me to sing. So that was awesome. And I don't know if it's a bigger role, but they put me up front too, which makes a big difference. They ask, do you feel like he put more trust into musicians on this tour? She says, no, not at all. It's absolutely equal. He's always been the absolute coolest about that. He's always given everyone a lot of freedom to do what they want musically, and he's always put a lot of trust in everybody since day one. He definitely wants to hear your opinion or lets you do whatever you want more than almost anyone I worked with, which is really cool for somebody at that level, you know. Crave says, I notice how much he gestures to you. Lily says, yeah, all I take out of that is he does put trust in himself, number one, but in his musicians, he trusts that people aren't going to f*** up. And that's really cool. It's a good feeling when people actually do that. That's respect right there, you know? This I'm just going to touch on very briefly. Lily and Ike Owens became close on the tour, and Ike tragically passed away in the midst of the Lazaretto tour during a gig down in Mexico. And Lily had some nice memories to share with Ike, so I just wanted to highlight a couple of those here. Of playing with Ike, she says, it was amazing. I love that guy so much. He was one of the most supportive people I've ever met in a lot of ways. But as far as just being yourself, as far as music, women in music, he supported women in music more than anyone I've ever met in my life. Well, him and Jack, too. <laughs> With them, it's not even spoken of. It's just a line. The rest of the world talks about it. They just believe that you're f***ing able to do anything that anyone's able to do. But Ike always... It was awesome. I loved playing with him. I got a lot from him. He'd just look over and grin at you, like, right on. The tour before Mexico, Ike and I always smoked together. Before the show, he called me up and we got behind those porta potties and he told me, there's a part in this song when I sing a little bit and he knew me and I'm very insecure although I'm confident at times. And as bad as I want to go for it, I don't go for it. I hold back. And he just told me that you got to go for it. You have to. Just break loose. He was encouraging, and I never went for it. But I wanted to. But he was always encouraging. Well, that's... And then they said, I guess he always went for it more. And she said, more than anyone, absolutely. More than anyone I know. He wasn't scared of anything. He just did it. What the f*** have you got to lose, you know? So yeah. I thought that was... The story of them smoking together I thought was kind of neat. It showed the bond that was forming between the band on that tour. Yeah, it's it's something I don't I don't hear about often, and I do want to get more into Ike and, and his career and life at some point, but um, you know, I appreciate hearing those things, and I'm very thankful that I got to see him while he was still with us. So that kind of sums up what we were talking about, the Lazaretto tour. And from there on, Lily Mae would stay in the third man circle as she herself went solo. Going solo. 
I'll just sort of starting this segment here, just one more bit from this Crave Online interview. They asked, you've been on television many times by now. Is it still different when you know there's cameras in front of you? Lily said, it's different, especially in a small setting like that, because it's like, Shit, now I actually have to pay attention. You're not quite as free, but the festivals and stuff, that doesn't phase me. But when it was like, there's a camera really close to me and going back and forth across the theater, it's like, ugh. I cried on that show and I was like, great, now my crying's on television or whatever. Something that nobody else would have ever known. Oh well. And that was referring to the smaller acoustic shows. Lily Mae, by the way, also worth noting, also got a highlight in that French video that Jack played with that acoustic tour yeah, in that the cathedral. Uh, Chateau de Fontainebleau, I believe it's called. And that was really cool because Lily Mae got in a special spotlight there, harmonizing and playing with Jack just the two of them, the song Entitlement on the Roof. They play Entitlement together. So anyway, her going solo began with the release of her Blue Series single, a song called Nobodies, on December 9th, 2014. There was also a tricolor pressed of that. And this is via the LA Times. Anyone who caught one of Jack White's shows supporting his latest album, Lazaretto, most likely has taken notice of one of the members of this band, singer-fiddler Lily Mae Rishi, who has just released her first single, Nobodies. Pop and His is premiering the track, an alt-country number that White produced and in which Rishi sings of yearning to make a deep connection with her romantic interest she doesn't show the same level of interest in. She co-wrote the song and the flip side, Same Eyes, with members of the group who backed her. Steel guitarist Carl Brommel. Did somebody say <laughs> Carl Butterball? <laughs> yes. Carl. Yes, yes. It's good to see you. You, you co-wrote a song yes, with Lily yes, The Ballad of John and Turkeys. The Ballad of John and Turkeys. <laughs> it's a takeoff off of the famous Beatles song the Ballad of John and Yoko, you'll notice that the subtlety of the warbling turkeys in the background. Oh, to hear the warbles. Those sweet, sweet yes, warbles. Yes, of course. And Lily was a peach to work with. Much like, much like my pet turkey, Peaches, whom I care for deeply. <laughs> and was featured... I see that. It was featured extensively on the single. A little call. I see you've taught Peaches some tricks. It is currently... Uh, I, don't, I don't know how Peaches... You can never I don't know how Peaches... I don't know how... I don't know how Peaches is doing this, but uh, Peaches appears to be uh, wearing one of those green visor hats and is doing yes. your taxes. Yes, it's very, right very fantastic. My old accountant, Roman White, was terrible. So I hired my pet turkey, Peaches. <laughs> whose delightful gobbles just soothe my aching soul during tax season. <laughs> so that's our character, Carl Butterball. If you're unfamiliar with the show, he was introduced in a Thanksgiving episode and hasn't gone away. Oh, we love Carl. James, I, f I can't help but emphasize how much you buried the lead on that. She co-wrote that with a guy from My Morning Jacket. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I had no idea. And also bassist Jack Lawrence and Dominic Davis. And drummer hey. Whip Triplet, who, let's face it, is Jack, who is also all over her uh, debut album, Forever and Then Some, credited with Shakers on almost every song. And also, not credited as just Whip Triplet, but, quote, cool Whip Triplet. Ooh. So that's cool. 
Whip Triplet. It's part of the Blue series of vintage-style 45 RPM releases from Third Man. Cool Whip. This is Lily. When I did that with Jack, he brought in musicians I've never played with before. She also noted, in focusing the attention on her voice, the new single has, quote, no harmonies on it. Coming from what I was in before, that's quite a bit different. That's what I love to do, you know? But Jack has a different way of recording and going about things. He likes to keep things new and fresh and interesting. It keeps from getting stagnant. It's like, oh, so you like harmonies, huh? No harmonies for you. <laughs> you know what I did on White Blood Sales? I love blues. No blues. I love solos. No solos. <laughs> I love music. No music. <laughs> so the next year in January of 19th of 2015, uh, Lily Mae releases a, a full-length LP called Rain on the Piano through the label Southern Shift Records. So no relation hmm. to Third Man. Funnily enough, when you go to Southern Shift Records' website, they make no mention of Lily Mae whatsoever. Uh, and it appears that their sole remaining act is a uh, an act by the name of the Kenneth Bryan Band. And their LP, Welcome to Alabama, from 2011, is featured very prominently. They also back Lily Mae up on this album. Now, this is... This is interesting. There's a couple interesting things about this LP. First of all, if I didn't find it on Amazon, I don't think I would have known this thing existed. It's hard to track down really any info on this, and it's not even listed on Discogs. Yeah, I found assorted songs from it on YouTube, but that was about it, you know. Right. The track listing is just the way it goes. Wash Me Clean, Wild Thing, Last Call, Mama, Living in the Country, Pretty Polly, Sundown in Nashville, Stay, Tennessee Line, and Steam Powered Airplane. It's a, it's a good album, you know? I like this album a lot. Uh, but you'll notice the song Wash Me Clean was re-recorded and released on Lily Mae's new album Forever and Then Some. Water to wash me clean 
some people in the collectors group were were me- taking mention of that and also taking mention of the fact that third man is calling it her new album her debut album when in fact this is technically her debut album yes it is and now this album also that's not the only duplicate song going on here this album also feels a song called last call this song last call was also released by kenneth bryan band with lily may as a guest singer (laughs) on it so there's two different versions of last call her version with kenneth bryan band backing her up after last One Kenneth Bryan band's version with her backing them up. After last call. When you've got no place to fall. And there's a music video for the Kenneth Bryan band version. It predates her involvement with Jack. She's seen with a short blonde bob with blue bangs, and she's smoking during the video. Hmm. It's clearly from her gypsy days, and it was shot on location at the Five Spot in Nashville ah. by director Joshua Black Wilkins. Now, we, we were just talking about the Five yeah. Spot, and so uh, apparently that's a prominent sort of club you just sort of go to in Nashville, and I guess Lily Mae was a regular mainstay yeah. there. This is via the LA Times. Rishi will be releasing a full album in February. One she recorded in Decatur with backing from Kenneth Bryan Band, with whom she's been performing frequently when not occupied supporting White. The album, she said, is, quote, very different than the last two tracks she recorded with White. My family also played on the album I did. So, really, what we start to see now is her siblings rejoin the fold, particularly Frank and Scarlett. Her sibling, Amber Dawn, really drops out here, and we don't really kind of hear from her. Frank and Scarlett are the ones that are currently backing up. So really, when you see Lily Mae these days, you're really seeing Gypsy minus Amber Dawn and with the addition of a drummer and a bassist. Hmm. Also, prior to this, uh, Lily Mae also supported Jack on the Prairie Home Companion show that Jack hmm. did, along with Margot Price. And Lily Mae also performed at Jack's Grammy acceptance speech in 2017. So her album, Forever and Then Some, her third man release was announced on October of 2016 via the LA Times. There was no plan to make a whole album, said Lily May. Jack asked me to come in and record a few songs, and after we got done with three, he said, You got any more? <laughs> that turned into a baker's dozen tracks, 11 on the album, with two more that are slated as B sides for singles, one which I purchased yesterday. They span the melancholic Americana breakup song Over the Hill and Through the Woods to the sprightly country two step Honky Tonks and Taverns. There's a country gospel, Wash Me Clean, and the folk bluegrass sway of the title track. The album closes with the haunting mantra-like minor key lament dance to the beat of my own drum. I love this song. We'll play a little bit of that here. And I dance to the beat of my own drum. And I sing all the words to my own song. And I hum to 
album features instrumental and vocal contributions from several members of her large family. Her brother Frank on guitar, her older sister Scarlett on mandolin, and younger sister McKenna Grace on vocals. Mm. For years, they sang together as a family band that also included another older sister, Amber Dawn, who now lives in Canada. The Rishi clan is, to me, the only interesting one is Frank, for he's the only one with one solid name. <laughs> Frank, by the way, it can be spotted a million miles away by his gigantic 10-gallon suede hat and huge-ass Almond Brothers-style beard and hair. But I saw him and Scarlett play when, when I saw them, and, and boy, can they harmonize. Oof. This is from the official Third Man press release. Lily May has been performing on stage since she was three years old. She's an incredible writer who can play an array of instruments and has paid her dues from the honky-tonks on Broadway to stages around the world. She is a beloved artist in Nashville, and I think it is safe to say that she is one in a billion. You won't find anyone else quite like this woman no matter how long you live. Rishi added, I'm proud to have become a part of the Third Man family, where there is no shortage of hard work and dedication to creating and making available the music we love so. I'm forever thankful to Jack for believing in me and giving me a chance and all the freedom I've needed to make this album. She also thanks Jack in the liner notes of her album, calling him the boss man. <laughs> Which is cool. This is via Paste. Rishi is now dropping her last name and embracing her singer-songwriter side. So yeah, she's credited as Lily May and not Rishi, which is weird. Whenever you see her being promoted, even on her album itself, no Rishi. Just Lily May. The album features contributions from siblings Frank, Scarlett, McKenna Grace, along with Dean Fertitta... Nice. ...of the Dead Weather, who plays keyboards on most of them, and Old Crow Medicine Show Corey Younts. Hey... On piano, among Who, others. Uh, he was occasionally uh, a part of the Jack White mail band and the Buzzards, and he was an occasional member of the Lazaretto crew as a sort of flavor of the of the show. Occasionally, he'd come on, and me and Paul would go, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> <laughs> but obviously she kept in touch. Uh, so Over the Hill and Through the Woods was the first single of that album, which had a music video directed by Elise Tyler. It's a good song. Definitely grew on me. I think my favorites on the album, I think, uh, and there are a lot. I really do love this album, but Honky Tonks and Taverns is really good. These Days is a really awesome kind of country stomp song. Dance to the Beat of My Own Drum, the final track, is really, really good. And Loner is really sad, but also really awesome. I think I must have listened to this album about five or six times already, and I've only had it for like two days. Hmm. I really love it. I think it's a, a strong release from Lily May, and I'm just really happy and proud to see somebody who felt like, as a Jack White fan, our sort of secret you know, on stage, she just, she wasn't in the forefront. I'm so happy to see her branch out and to become this artist in her own right. Yeah, I, lo I love Lily May, and I, I, I haven't listened to the album yet, but I just got it today, so I look forward to uh, taking a listen and and, uh, and enjoying it. She also appeared on Conan O'Brien to promote it. Our guest tonight has played on the show as a member of Jack White's band, and tonight we're thrilled to welcome her back to perform a song from her debut solo album, Forever and Then Some. To see an exclusive bonus performance, head over to teamcoco.com slash music. Please welcome Lily May. I never saw you coming. I sure didn't think you'd be gone so soon. I took off
She played on a couple other releases. She sang on Beck's I'm Down, <laughs> Travis Stevens' Between Someday and Never, Footbound Strangers, Polly Punk Neck, Miranda Lambert's The Weight of These Wings, and Coco Haim's self-titled debut LP, as well as uh, instrumentals on Michael... Kiwanuka's You've Got Nothing to Lose, Lee Nash's The State I'm In, Town Van Zant's Waiting to Die, Dwight Yoakam's High on the Mountain of Love, and Frank Foster's Good Country Music. She's also featured on God Knows Who I Am by Montgomery Gentry. I'll leave this uh, this bio with this. This is via the LA Times from Lily. I've never put my own band together, she said. It's kind of scary in a way, but I'm really ready to just get out there and play and play and play. Nice. And James, that brings us, you want to kick it to our third man for this week? Yeah, let's kick it to our third man for this week. All right, we'd like to welcome our third man for this week, Tom Valenti. Tom, you're back! Yeah, thanks for having me. Tom, how the hell are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm doing okay. slowly, but yeah, I think we're good. No, I'm recouping, I'm recouping. (laughs) I'm feeling invigorated and ready to go back to sleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom and I shared a very tender moment together <laughs> last week. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was real beautiful. Uh, we saw Lily Mae Rishi, and we're going to do a fell in love with the show segment where we talk about uh, a concert that's a part of the show. James, why don't you tell the people, tell the people uh, what that is. Yeah. <laughs> fell in love with the show is uh, the segment in which we go to see... Jack and Jackalites and other such bands and whatnots and hoo hows and Bing Boslers and Ting Tunglers. Um, This is just getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Did I mention I'm dying? Um, And we we come back and we report it back to you, the listener, and uh, we tell you about this great show that we went to. This fell in love with the show segment is very special because it was a surprise show. People who pre ordered Lily Mae Rishi's album. Forever and then some got via Third Man a free pass to go see her play at a small bar called the Monty in downtown Los Angeles. And so I just so happened to have pre-ordered the album and got an invite. And it was really I was very excited. I think I texted you, James, very quickly. Yes, you did. I saw the Third Man put out an email blast to their followers and fellowship saying, if you pre-ordered, you got this thing. And uh, I was really excited for Paul because I knew that he pre-ordered it and he was in the Los Angeles area, which is, you know, it's not every day where these kinds of things line up for us because most Third Man stuff happens in Detroit or in Nashville. So if something's happening in New York or Los Angeles, which they do happen, it's a big deal to us. And especially if we're invited to something like this, which is so awesome. Yeah. Particularly, they emphasized this was going to be an intimate show, which I wasn't quite sure what that was going to mean before we Paul wore uh, nice lingerie. He... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was very expensive. Um, It was worth it, though. You look great. uh, Thank you very much. I thought it was tasteful. But, so this was going to take place after her taping on the Conan O'Brien show. And, Tom, you and I had both seen Lily Mae prior to this. Yes. As a member of Jack's band, both on the, you saw the Blunderbuss tour? Yes. As well? So on both the Blunderbuss Tour and the Lazaretto Tour. Now, when you saw the Blunderbuss Tour, did you see that with the all-male band or the all-female band playing? I think it was all-female. Okay, so then you definitely saw Lily Mae. Yeah, I believe at Irving Plaza, when that still existed. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. 
Nice. And then on the on the Lazaretto tour, I think we were actually at the same show at Madison yes, Square Garden. We <laughs> um, uh, so we had seen Lily May in very these very public forums and and high profile places playing alongside Jack, and this was the first time I had ever seen her that we had both ever seen her outside of that mm-hmm. forum. Now I had just been freshly educated about her history because of this show I was putting together, and so I just so happened to be very very familiar. But Tom, I think this was really the first time you had listened to her music sort of beyond yeah. the jackosphere, you know? Yeah, it was the first time I'd heard her own solo stuff, and it was great. Yeah, she's definitely a really accomplished performer in her own right, and she's just getting started, so I'm looking forward to seeing where yeah. she goes to from here. But um, Do you listen to much country? You know, not a ton. The jack stuff has that element to it. Yeah. Um, I like Johnny Cash a lot. Sure. Yeah, we're kind of in the same vein as you, I think. Yeah. I want to delve into it a little bit more. Yeah. In fact, the Lily May show kind of inspired me to do that a little bit mm-hmm. because um, there was some covers she played, which the, there was that the yodel, yodeling song she played, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and as it turns out, Bill Monroe, while he's awesome, is also not quite as exciting as watching Lily May really turn those into stompers because I listened to the same songs and I was like, he sounds like he's going to kill himself. This <laughs> sounds really and he's yodeling while he's doing. I don't think there's ever been a sadder suicide than a one mid yodel. Um, but, but Lily May sounds like she's having a ball. Uh, so anyway, uh, to circle back around, we arrived pretty early to the bar. This very small place, this place called the Monte. And as soon as you walk in, it's, it just reads like a bar, like a very mm-hmm. small bar. And it was hard to miss the band setup because mm-hmm. it was right there in the middle of the floor, right underneath a gigantic buffalo head on the wall. And so I, I thought to myself, well, this is a very Jack-like atmosphere mm-hmm. I'm entering here. You've got the taxidermy, you've got, you know, the smell of uh, the blue-collar man Must. in the air. You know, <laughs> It's the smell. <laughs> you, got, you got this musty, dark uh, aroma for the eyes and, and uh, nose. I feel saturated by it. So I went... It was a lot nicer than that, by the way, <laughs> for people listening. You should go there. It was cool. It's yeah. a cool spot. <laughs> okay, I'm being a little... <laughs> I'm not saying that it's an ina- inaccurate description. It's just, I would have gone with rustic. Rustic, sure. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely yeah. clean. Like we were talking yeah. about in the in, on the car ride over here, it was definitely clean. And it was like, it was a dive bar, but it was like a super classy dive bar, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it was like beer, whiskey, kind of just, right. you know, and all wood furnishings. And it was just, it was just like a cool sure spot to hang out in but yeah cowboy a slight cowboy vibe to it all yeah um so, so anyway, it was appropriate right so i walk in there and, and the first thing i did was go and and take a photo of the band setup because i was like oh that's cool nobody was there really i mean there was a couple people at the bar and no but and some people on the tables but nobody was there and some people were watching me take the photo from the tables and i thought oh i'm just i'm embarrassing myself because i was wearing a jack white shirt and Take a photo of this thing, so I was like, whatever. So I took the photo really fast, and Tom and I went to the bar. We got a couple of whiskeys, and I'm looking back, and I'm like, oh, those people watching me was was the Rishi sisters. That was Lily <laughs> May and Scarlett, just sort of, sort of sitting there writing the set list, yeah. which is for freaking crazy. Yeah, and so I immediately became ultra self conscious and paranoid, <laughs> and you know, I had that moment where I was like, I want to talk to him, but like, I don't want to be that guy, and so I was feeling very nervous about the situation. So Paul goes up to Lily May and goes, "Hey, can you just leave?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like it was causing me a lot of like agita because I wanted to say something, but I also didn't want to like make a scene. So well, it was funny because it made me feel a little bit better to know that's why because I was talking to you and you seemed very distracted. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 
<laughs> maybe I'm just boring. I was talking about The Simpsons. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I'm just being a boring nerd right now. No, no, but, I was... But I, then I realized, like, oh, no, he's he's distracted by yeah the, the, the much cooler person over the, there. Well, I was... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just not every see you, you, every day you see a Rishi. But anyway, so she did wind up leaving, and then um, she came back out. And she went out to smoke a cigarette. So Tom and I, we grabbed our drinks. We went to the middle of the dance floor, and um, right in front of the music. And when she came back in, she walked past. And so then I was like, all right, it's now or never. I'm just going to be that guy. I don't care. I'm not going to get an opportunity like this. So I was just like, hey, how's it going? You know, thanks for the invite. And instead of just sort of waving and continuing on her way, she like came over to us mm-hmm. and then started engaging us in conversation and saying like, oh, yeah, it's really good of you to come. Really happy you came. This is a really exciting Yeah, she's night. really, really nice. Yeah, super nice. And then she stayed. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't leave. Like she just stayed. <laughs> And we had this big, long conversation, and I kept giving her an out. Like, I kept being like, yeah, well, you know, I'm just really glad we caught you. And then instead of and instead of being like, yeah, thanks for coming and leaving, she'd be like, yeah, I'm glad you caught me, too. Anyway, I didn't think I was going to be, you know, like, I was like, all right, fine. Let's, sure, let's keep talking. But, yeah, it was cool, because she was talking about recording with Jack, and she was talking about yeah how she works with him, and you mentioned the, how they harmonize together. Sure. She went to that a little bit, and then she was talking about her history with her family and doing the harmonizing and how it comes naturally to her. And she talked a little bit about how she lived in LA briefly. Right. And Cause that boyfriend she had, and she said it was a bad relationship or, and, yeah. And the boyfriend made her come out to the, de- she kept calling it coming out to the desert. So I don't know what that means, <laughs> but it sounds awful. I mean, LA is in a desert. So I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't sense. be inaccurate. It just, mm-hmm. it just seems weird. And then she was talking about how he made it. she had moved to Alabama for him and all this stuff. But what was there was really a couple standout highlights. One of which was you know we were, as you mentioned we were talking about harmonizing. And as I said, I had just freshly learned all about Gypsy and stuff, so I was asking her a little bit about Gypsy. And I said, oh, well, what's it like? Uh, what's it like harmonizing with Jack? And she's like, Oh, Jack, I love playing with that motherfucker. <laughs> and um, and she was saying like he tends to be all over the place when he harmonizes, but so is she, and so they make a nice compliment to each other. And you can actually see that after the show. I watched that Vault DVD of the acoustic show from Alaska, and you can see them harmonizing and figuring stuff out. And it's never it's never neat, but it's it's there's like a beautiful sloppiness to it, you know. Yeah, that's kind of Jack's aesthetic in general. Sure. And, and I mean that as a compliment. But his his guitar playing is very precise, but dirty like it's not clean yeah he has a so and that's kind of and he likes that aesthetic where he likes to kind of strip down right you can see the seams a little bit we've i think we've actually described it his guitar playing as loosely tight before yeah. on this yeah. show so you're you're right on the money for what we think too. Yeah. it's like it's very polished dirt there is such a thing like it's it's grimy and dirty <laughs> but it's it's well put together i don't know yeah yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of Jack, one of the first things she said was, uh, "She's like, oh yeah, I love this place because uh, you, you, you complimented Tom the uh, the mm-hmm. venue." And she said, "Yeah, I love this place. Jack showed me this place." And I was like, "Wow, yeah!" And it makes total sense because the fucking buffalo head. And she's like, "Yeah, fucking buffalo head." And I was like, <laughs> "I am having a conversation with Lily Mae Rishi right now. <laughs> this is pretty neat." So we talked for a while, and it was just really cool. I asked for a photo. She was very gracious about it because I thought that she would be really annoyed by it, but she wasn't. Um, and she was she was telling us stuff about Gypsy, and I asked her about temporary ground alone in my home, and she was just she was very willing to just 
kind of talk to us and she did so for quite a while like some other fans came up to her and she would engage them in conversation and then return to us Mm -hmm. it was really cool of her to do and really sweet finally her whoever was managing the performance told her you know we have to get the show on the road so (laughs) she left and um and then she played the set and the set was great we were just standing right in front of her while she was doing it Mm -hmm. right like we were right yeah we were right in the front front and center nowhere to hide there we were just <laughs> but i mean i mean we just talked to her for seven minutes mm-hmm. so if, you know it's pretty fairly comfortable i suppose now at the bar i don't know how late you were there but when they did their last call did lily may play last call no <laughs> and actually it's a funny story because i was gonna like some people were like shouting songs for her to play and i think she actually played one of them mm-hmm. and i was gonna do that with last call and then I was like, wait a minute, is Last Call a duet with that bad boyfriend? And I didn't know <laughs> if that was the case, so I didn't. And I, and plus, it would have been like, hey, I'm that guy that was just talking to you. Can you play this song I know that you know and I'm aware that you're aware that I'm aware that you know this song? Well, you know that I know. <laughs> Which she harmonizes with him on in the in the acoustic tour. It's oh, really yeah. great. But the set was great. That was the first time either of us had heard her new album Forever and then some. She opened it with I think she opened it with Wash Me Clean. And then um she she also played, you know, a lot of songs off the album, Honky Tonks and Taverns, the Bill Monroe, I I, f- I forget which Yodel it is, but I think it's like Yodel number seven There's or some shit like that. Over the Hill and Through the Woods is one of them. She played that one, yeah, the hit, because she she introduced that one by saying, I just played this one live on Conan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh but Tom, do you have impression like not seeing country bands all that much and granted I've really only saw Margot Price in that kind of capacity before, mm-hmm. but did you have an impressions of what seeing that kind of music live versus seeing a rock show live was like? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say because it also might have been more about the venue itself. It was because it was smaller, more intimate. Right. I didn't expect them to be particularly raucous or anything like that. Right. But yeah, it was definitely, I don't know how to describe it. It was kind of, it was very tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, and they were all perfectly in sync with each other. And it was her, her brother plays with them too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, her so brother Frank. It was the three of them up front. Yeah, and her sister Scarlett. And then uh, the bass player and the drummer, both the bass player and the drummer on the album, too. Uh, have you seen any shows there before, or was this the first time you went there? No, first time. Okay. Yeah, it was the first time first for both time. of us. Yeah, um, i definitely go back. It was a cool spot. But it wasn't far from where we saw The Kills That's right. last year. Yeah. So it's, it was in the downtown area, so the, the more city-ish part of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if I would say that there was anything specifically different between because of the genre 
itself. My impressions of it was that it felt very much like a like there's like a stomp, like a participation quality to country music in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there is too in a rock show, but there's it seems to be an expectation. Uh, for participation, particularly because during one of the songs, a couple in the front row got out in front of the very small area between like you and me and oh, the yeah. stage and started dancing. That's true. And it was uh, a lovely experience. And then because they were less than a foot in front of Lily Mae's face, she was like, it was like she was playing to them and she, yeah. they were all laughing and, and dancing. I think they might have knew that couple. The contrast between your and Tom's experience and your and Andrew's experience at the Kills show is staggering. The, yeah. the couple that got in I front was... of Andrew and started just and Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was a couple that made Andrew very uncomfortable during that Kills show because, like, that music sounds a little like, you know, like they're in Zion, ready to, ready to <laughs> sexual ready to machinations. Just, yeah, I can taste your stink. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, going back to what you were saying, that that makes sense. I could see that intimacy there, whether it's part of the genre or part of the venue or both. But I could see it with the with the genre too, or specifically with her and her band, because she plays with her brother and sister, and it just it felt very intimate and inclusive, right? And like we were all part of like this, you know, uh, group that came together to you know watch her perform, which I just described a concert basically. No, but, but it was more. Than, it wasn't just a regular concert. It was a group that was literally called and put together. Like yeah, it seemed a lot more like a group of friends hanging out. Yeah, and at a jam session rather sure. than a performance kind of thing. It, it seemed not like they were great performers. Yeah, but it seemed like less of a performance and more kind of just like people hanging out and playing and drinking and stuff like that. And more of yeah, that, I don't know if hoot nanny's the right word. Yeah, hoot nanny's that, definitely the right word. Yeah. I would yeah, let's use that word. So, I like that. That's the type of people that Jack's kind of drawn to usually too with his uh, with his friend circle. It seems like most of the bands that he either signs on or, or is really into are very loosely tied together they're not a really super polished band usually and uh they they're always having fun and i think with in lily may's case it there's a little bit of that child innocence and the sibling thing it's it's funny how he chooses his friends so that that kind of having fun on stage is something that i've i've noticed in a lot of jack related acts yeah and and this was maybe 50 people tops in the audience maybe Oh yeah, that I wouldn't even say that much. Yeah, and so not only is it fun on stage, but like there's nowhere to hide. Like you're watching everybody and their mm-hmm. reactions to the show. So I just tried to stay positive because she looked a little nervous. She looked nervous about the react. Like she was in- excited and anticipating the album coming out, and so I just wanted to be there and be supportive. There was a rather I don't know surly is the wrong word. He looked a little like he was like completely bald, but he had the demeanor of a lurch, <laughs> and he was standing next to me. And as I say, we were maybe four feet five feet from lily may and lurch was next to me being very motionless <laughs> so i was trying to be motion like i was trying to engage in pleasant motion to uh show her that her show was appreciated and uh, and enjoyed um <laughs> love to know more about that guy's backstory and how he wound up at a Lily Mae Rishi show. I hope he was just a guy who happened to be at the bar. <laughs> He's uh, yeah, because I don't know if they were they letting in people that weren't there for the show. I don't know. I, yeah, because they did no have idea. the clipboard out front. And then 
we weren't en- ended up not being on the list, even though there was yeah. some kind of mix up, and they were like, "It doesn't matter, you can come in anyway." Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We, we were there really early, and they were like, "Yeah, you're not on the list, but it's fine." Just because apparently there was a bunch of mix up with Third Man's communication. Anyway, long story short, the show was great. the The set was really, really tight. It, it wasn't terribly long, and then when uh, it was maybe twenty, like half fat. hour or something. Like I that. thought it was about an hour. Maybe, maybe it's a little more like that. And they were all terrific musicians. Yeah, Frank's a good guitarist, and Scarlett's, uh, Scarlett and Frank, when they're harmonizing with Lily, just sounds sounds really, really great. And I, I also appreciated the added element of them being family. Mm-hmm. And you can see that kind of connection beyond just being bandmates. I got the feeling, you know, they were really enjoying their time on stage together. Yeah, I asked her about that, too. I asked her if, was it tough putting your own band together? And she said, well, I'm playing with my brother and my sister, so I kind of cheated. Yeah, so like, she's oh, been yeah. doing that since she was... You know, three. Been, yeah, since she was a kid. So yeah, they've been playing on stage since they were three years old. Uh, which That's amazing. Nuts. <laughs> but anyway, after the show, there was a big lineup of fans, so I didn't want to bother again. But I did feel like I wanted to tell her that she had a good show and thank her for it. So uh, I did that, and um, she was gracious again. And uh, oh, I, I saw her signing some of her Blue Room singles, uh, the song Nobodies, mm-hmm. and then we left. But it was a really awesome experience and just a big thank yous to Third Man Records for making that possible because that's really cool for the fans, you know, like to do that and to reward the yeah, I agree. reward the zeal with like this amazing, I don't want to say like priceless because I don't want to like overblow the show, but yeah, it, it did feel to me kind of priceless experience that you couldn't, you know, you could, I suppose you could pay money for something like that, but it was, uh, it was really unique. So oh, I like the fact that it wasn't advertised ahead of time as a, like a, promotion, a promotional thing right? to entice people to get the record. It was like, oh, you bought the record. You're a fan. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And here's here's the show for you. Here's, <laughs> right. our, here's our thank you to you. So I thought that was really, uh, it's a really cool gesture. Yeah. So their part. That was uh, that was it. That was the show, and uh, we had a great time. James, I wish you could have joined us as well. Me too, but that's okay. I'll go see her at some point soon. I'll see if I can find tickets to a close-by show. If not, I have some other shows that uh, I'm looking forward to this year, possibly even Dex, Rom, Weber, and Crash. So, Ooh, yeah. yeah. So, you got to see him. Yeah. So should we also talk about after when we went on our – Coke-fueled strip club hop <laughs> downtown? Or is that for a different podcast? Uh, we'll save that for uh, Third Man After Dark. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, there was definitely a Suicide Girls burlesque bar right <laughs> next door to this place, which, uh, for the purposes of this podcast, we did not go into. <laughs> no, we did not. Um, no, it was... Uh, but I made a mental note of it, and I will go there someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom, Tom filed that one away. That one's just for Tom. It's <laughs> a Tom exclusive. I'm going to go there by myself. Yeah, that one's just, just for the team, man. <laughs> right back there. Tom, thank you very much for joining us today. It was great. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. talking to you, and uh, we'll hopefully go see another show together soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for coming, uh, stopping by. I had heard some of the, the story already, but uh, it's it's always, mm-hmm. it was great to hear a more fleshed out version. Yeah, I'm glad I can contribute. Yeah. And uh, with that, we'll get back to the show. All right, James. Okay. <laughs> All right, James. We're just going to do a couple shout-outs here. I did the shout-outs last episode to new people. Do you want to do the new ones this time around? All right. We'd like to give a shout-out to Richard Kappen. Thank you so much, Richard Kappen. I'm just going to I'm gonna zing right through these. Uh, thank you to Keen Jumar Conk. 
Conca or Concha. I hope we're pronouncing your name correctly. Please message us, tell us if we're right or wrong, and we'll we'll correct it. J. A. Gillis. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably it's definitely a John Anthony pseudonym. Anthony Gillis. Thank you, Jack White, for listening to our show. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Brighton. Uh, or Britain. Thank you so much, Jeremy Britton. Rand Prosper, thank you so much. Your note was kind, and we, we really do appreciate it. Um, if we're mispronouncing your name, please let us know, and we will correct that. And Megan White, so both Jack and Meg are, are listening to the show. <laughs> thank you, Megan White. We, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, also, we have our regulars on the show, people who are in day in, day out talking to us. We have Jeremy Riles. We have... I'm going to be your... Uh, James, I'm going to be your hype man for this segment. All right, we got Jeremy Riles. Oh, shit! Jeremy! We got Callie Durga. Oh, <laughs> We got Adrian King. What's up? <laughs> We got Andre Lyman. No, you <laughs> didn't. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is a good hype, man. Eileen Corsano. I like her very much, and I think you would too. David Poe. I don't care. No, I'm <laughs> We love you, David Poe. 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 Po. Po. S.A. Franco. I would love to know what your real name yeah. is. Yeah. And, uh,. And you know what? Since since we're that sounded real creepy. Yeah. I don't. You know. That's, since we're we're sure. we're we haven't added you guys on yet, and, and we do know you're talking about us on all over the face in books. Uh, we'd also like to give a shout out to Kate McCoy and to Amy Hart. Thank you both. Oh yeah, that's right. Why aren't they regulars? I, we should put them. Yeah, Kate, Mc, that Kate McCoy and Amy Hart. I'm adding them to the list. There right you now. go. Paul's typing away. I can see him. Art. Okay. And then uh, to get in touch with us, you can go to Facebook, facebook.com slash third men. You can go to Twitter at third mencast. By the way, we are closing in on 350 Facebook likes and we're closing in on 650 Twitter followers. So moving along there, those are, those are turning out great. Thank you guys. Tumblr. We're at thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can go to our website, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. You can send us an email, thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit us at the source where we're hosting the podcast via Spreaker. That's iHeartRadio's podcatcher. That's just search us under Spreaker. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Uh, we are, again, no longer on Podomatic. We are now on Spreaker, so you can find us there. You can search us on YouTube. You can find us on ACAST. You can rate, review, and subscribe. We've got a contest going. Once we hit 20 reviews, we will send some lucky fan a free DVD, completely free of charge. But all you have to do is send a screenshot to our email to show us that you did it. Do you want to go, like, and do you want to chip in, like, five bucks and we'll get something else throw at them? We got to sweeten this pot. Do we have to sweeten this pot? We got to sweeten this pot, Paul. We got we to gotta find some kind of rarity. We'll figure yeah. it out. We're going to sweeten the pot with something. We're going to give it the old Winnie the Pooh. Wow. Oh, he uh, loves just- honey. Oh, that's like Dr. Evil's. <laughs> oh, my name's Winnie the Pooh, and I love honey, piglet, is... piglet, digger. <laughs> ah, my poo. butt seems to be stuck in this tree. <laughs> I'm Winnie the Pooh. This is... I'm named this after is... Pooh. <laughs> this is like Peepums telling a story. <laughs> 
I'm looking. Well, Christopher. Uh, this is. I know Christopher Robin, who is the grandson of Peepers. I'm Winnie the Pooh. Yes, and I'm a piglet. <laughs> oh my God! Watch as I follow the Pooh Bear around. Piglet is a predator that stalks you. Dogs. Um, and then if you have any listener questions, you can send those to us. We'll be doing another listener questions episode soon. So, hey, send those in. Uh, we'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for uh, the help in recording our theme song. And also to thank Tom Valenti for being our third man this week. You were great, Tom. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Thanks to Susanna Radrick for the intro and outro of our program. And James, until next week. I will be looking for a home in a tree. (laughs) And I'll be looking for a home in parts unknown. See you next week. Probably slept at a Walmart near you. (laughs) Bye. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at Third Men Cast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Thank you to Susanna Rountree for the intro and outro of our of our chub 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 uh, this is the first time in a long time my wife Suzanne is actually home during a recording session for this show, and um, I'm sure she's detesting the noises coming from this room right now. <laughs> the the Greek grumps are growling. Picking it up at the library this weekend. Um, but uh, what's a library? I, but Paul, it's, it's like a, an internet with walls. <laughs> Rain Prosper? I think I'm pronouncing that right. R-E-I-N-E. Rain? Rain? Reeny? Rene? Rain? Rain. <laughs> Reeny Rain? When I'm in there. Is R-E? I'm in the Reeny Rain. How much of this is usable, you think? Some of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's offensive to anyone anymore, so I'm sorry to advance to everybody out there. Uh, four. 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 <laughs> Edit. Cut. Splits. <laughs> One second. All right, hold on. I gotta stir the scampi. Paul's gotta start the scampi. You discovered it was a piece of Easter basket grass hanging out of her asshole to which we had to take gloves, grab hold of, and pull out of like a magician's ribbon.
What a what a Jack could be proud. I was going for a Matrix thing, and you took it back to Save by the Bell. I like that. 